We're continuing a series, and our series is entitled Grow Together. And God wants every one of us to grow, but we grow, according to the Bible, we grow together. If you have your Bibles, join me in Ephesians chapter number 4. If you have the Westover app, go ahead and open it. And if you have the Westover app, you'll notice that I have three points to this message today. But due to the fact of our extended altar time and communion, this sermon may be pointless today, okay? Is that all right with you? Okay? It may be just a pointless message. I, I may not get to the points, okay? Is that, all, is that all right with you? But we're going to just ask the Holy Spirit to speak to our hearts. God intends for us to grow together. Now, what is spiritual growth? Spiritual growth, as I define, and you may even have a better definition than I have, but I wrote this out. It's the process of learning the teachings of the Bible, following the example of Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit. You see that, that spiritual growth, a thriving relationship with God, it makes us effective in every part of life. Your home life, your business, your career. If, if you will take the teachings of the Bible, follow the example of Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit, you will be a better parent, a better student, a better employer. You'll, you'll, be, a better, you'll be a better believer. You're going to be a, a more joyful believer because spiritual growth enhances every part of our life. Now, in this study... We've been looking through this entire series at two verses, verse 15 and 16 of Ephesians chapter number 4. But just for a moment, just for a moment, let me reflect on something. The book of Ephesians in the New Testament, written by the Apostle Paul by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, this book of Ephesians was authored 62 A.D. 62 A.D. by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, the Apostle Paul wrote Ephesians to the church at Ephesus. You tracking with me? Now what's interesting, I want you to fast forward 30 years from there. 62 AD, fast forward 30 years. 30 years after this book is written, Revelation chapter 2 verse 1 through 7 Jesus is going to speak about the church at Ephesus in a prophetic word. And he's going to say of the church at Ephesus, you lost your first love. 62 A.D., this church is pictured as thriving in Jesus, full of life. It's a dynamic church. 30 years later, they've lost their first love. Ten years after that, the church is extinct. The church died. So my question rhetorically, why did the church die? How did the church get to a lost your first love? Less than a decade later, the church is extinct. To this day, there is no church at Ephesus. It died. How did we get there? Because in Ephesians, I read, this church was thriving. So today's message, we're going to be CSI agents. Are you tracking with me? Okay, we're going to look at the corpse of a dead church. And we're looking for trace evidence. How did we get here? How did we get to dead? Just less than a decade, they were 
the, the church was on life support, you've lost your first love. Let's keep going back. How, how did we get there? Something unhealthy happened in the church. Something unhealthy occurred that took him to lost first love, and eventually the church died. What do we see? Well, one thing Jesus said when he said you lost your first love, he did commend them for this. He said, you have rejected false doctrine. You've rejected false doctrine. In other words, in other words, you can have right doctrine and deficient devotion. They lost their first love, but at the same time, Jesus will say to them, I commend you for this one thing. You reject the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, that false teaching. You know, you can have good doctrine and a deficient devotion. You can be in church. You can have a Bible. You can have a study Bible. You can have two or three apps. You can come to church. You can go through the process. You can tell people, I belong to that church. You, you can... You can have all the right beliefs and have a deficient devotion because that's exactly what this church did. Do you know you can have a cookbook and you can read a recipe on flan and have never tasted flan? That's right. Yeah, some of you get out your cookbook and you read the recipes, but you never cook it. You never taste it. You buy, you've had the store-bought and said you don't like it. You've just never had homemade you don't get flan by taking a little cellophane thing and pulling off the top of it and they sell it to you for 89 cents at a stop and go and say, this is flan, I don't like. No, you get the real thing. You get the real flame. You get flan, can I tell you, you get the real thing. Oh, it'll do you good. Okay? And some of us, we have the right doctrine. But we have deficient devotion. My question is, how did we get unhealthy? How did we get to a church that died, lost its first love? Let's trace it back. How did this church become unhealthy? I want to suggest to us today, perhaps an indication is in verse 14 and 15, chapter 4. Let's read it. Verse 15. Growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of the body, the church. The church. Christ is the head. He wants his body thriving. Verse 16. He, meaning Jesus, he makes the whole body fit together perfectly. Who's in charge of the church? Jesus. He makes it fit together. God does it so well. Don't add to it. Let God, God knows what he's doing. The NIV, I love the NIV's rendering of this. It is joined and held together. I'm going to come back to that. Fit together perfectly. NIV says joined and held together. Remember that. As each part does its own work, it helps the other parts grow, watch this, so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Revelation 2, they lost their first love. A decade later, the church died. Something unhealthy happened. What is it? Here it is. I want to suggest they stopped growing, they were unhealthy, and they lost their love. You know, you can join a church and not really be connected. The NIV says they are joined and held together. 
joining a church, and the word here is just the idea of affiliation and association. And many of you are associated. You say, I go to that church. Some of you go to eight churches. I go to this one here, this one, this one, whatever. Well, I just, whatever, Lord. If this light is green, I go that way. That's the way God wants me to go to church today. You just, you, you just, you follow the, the red light direction of God. You don't know which way you're going, okay? Join. But the Bible says join and held together. It does not say or, not join or held together. Some of us are putting an or where God put an and. Joined and held together. Join means, here, you've joined us for worship. Some of you, you say, this is my church. This is where I come. Wonderful. That's joined. But God has something more. In order to stay healthy, in order to grow in love, here is the formula, joined and held together. Now, this word, two words in the English, held together, is one word in the original language. The New Testament is written in Greek. The Greek word there is one Greek word. It's translated here in the NIV, held together. Other places in the New Testament, it's translated to instruct. In the book of Acts... It's translated to speak or to shout. Now, wait a minute, Pastor. Held together, instructed, shout. I'm trying to get the idea. I'm trying to, I'm trying to put the pieces of that puzzle together. Help me. Thank you. I'll help you do that right now. What does it mean? It's the idea that you're not just affiliated. It's, it's the idea that you're synergized together. That it is so much a part of you that, that, that you speak it out. You There's the shout. You speak it out. This is what I am. In other words, when people ask you who you are, you give your name, you might give your career, and right at the top in the conversation when you describe yourself, you not only describe yourself as a Christ follower, you describe yourself as I am rooted and planted in this church. I don't just go. I'm a part of it. They're a part of me. We're connected together. We are, we are bonded together. I want you to think in terms of, of an athlete. An athlete can be drafted and brought into a team, professional team, say, for example. They come into a team. He can put on the jersey. He's on the team. But get out on the court, get out on the field, miss calls, go a different direction. There's, there, there's just some clumsiness. and They're really not synergizing. They're not a team yet. Oh, they have the jersey. Yes, they're on the roll. But they go through a time of training. The coaches out there, they go through the drills. Instruction. There's that word in the New Testament. They go through instruction. And then finally, they're so synergized as a team. They might come to the center of the court before the game uh, or the center of the football field before the game, and they'll huddle together. Now they got the jerseys. They're on the roll. They're record. They've gone through the instruction. They've gone through the drill. They'll put their hand together. They are one. They are synergized together. They are a functioning team. And they'll, they'll begin to just kind of, somebody will coach them, and all of a sudden they'll raise their hand and just, yeah, now they're a team. They're cohesive. They work in synchronization. They are held together. They are bonded together. They're, they're, they're engrafted together. God says that's what he wants for you and I. And anything less than that is unhealthy. 
God knows we need each other. Do you know there are times you're going to come to church and you're not going to want to sing? You're not going to have a song. But guess what? Somebody else's praise is going to carry you. Yeah. I was in the balcony praying with people just a moment ago. And I could see some, there were other people in the balcony. You were carrying somebody else. Your praise was lifting them up because they were hurt and wounded. Today, they were in the song worship moment, but they were not able to sing. Your worship carried them. There are times in life you're there. I spoke to somebody yesterday, and we were praying over a matter. And and we got to this prayer moment, and, and this dear brother said, Pastor, I'm just going to confess to you. I don't know if I have enough faith. I just don't. I, be, I know in my mind I say it and I want to believe, but I am at a moment. I'm not sure I just have enough faith to just get me through this. And I said, that's right. You borrow some of my faith. I'm going to tell you God is going to come through. I'm going to speak it into you. God's promises are yes and amen. God is not going to fail you. God is not going to drop you. God has something in store. God has a purpose. And sometimes you just need to borrow somebody else's faith. That's being held together. Held together. Have you ever noticed we describe our life going through crisis as falling apart? My marriage is falling apart. My family's falling apart. My business is falling apart. I'm falling apart. But the Bible says we need to be held together. What are you missing when you're falling apart? You're missing somebody holding you together. Somebody has said, you're not going under. You're not going under. You're not not going to fail on this. You're not going to go under. You're you're, you're not going to sink at this time. You're not going to go. You're going to have a storm that's going to come. You're going to have a situation that's going to rise, and somebody's going to hold on to you. You need to be a part of the body. You know, it's the banana that gets away from the bunch is the one that gets peeled. That's right. That's right. And if the enemy can ever get you disconnected, he will peel you. He will discourage you. He will beat you up. He will undermine your faith, your confidence, and your walk with God. And the Bible says that we are, we are joined and held together. Do you have an, a deficient and in your life? You're joined, but there's not the and held together. That's what God wants for you. Before Denise and I came to Texas, we're from New Mexico. That's where we lived. And we married, and believe the Lord had called us into the ministry, and we were preparing for the ministry. We wanted to go to Bible college. And, and, and I didn't look at, and, and, and that day you didn't get no, long school notes, loans, and, you, you know, I, I, I guess I didn't qualify for any scholarships, you know. I, I just said, God, you got to help me make it happen. God, you just got to help, help me make it happen. Believe God, you called me, and I, Family couldn't help, so we just had to do it on our own. So uh, I told Denise for a couple years, she went to work, I went to work. We're going to make as much money as we can. We're going to bank it away, going to go to Bible college because God's called us to the ministry. She worked at the bank, and I went to work in the mines. Yeah, I worked 920 feet underground. I'd re- I, I, I took an elevator 920 feet underground. Once I got underground, I walked two miles down tunnels to my working place. 
there, worked in the uranium mines. Denise says, I glow to this day. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I worked in the mines, saved as much money as I could so we could go to Bible school. Had a, had a friend that worked in the mines. In fact, we, in, we were in the same carpool, in the same carpool. There was an accident at the mine one day, and uh, he lost part of his arm. Just below his, his elbow, he lost his arm and four. The, the doctors could not reattach it. It was so mangled and ripped apart, so they were not able to reattach his arm. So just past the elbow, just past the elbow, he lost his arm. Uh, they did the best they could to, to, to stop the bleeding, went through some surgery to correct it, but then he, he was missing an arm. They, later, he got a prosthetic arm from about here with a hand, a prosthetic arm. I remember walking up to him one day, Ray, how you doing? And he lifted up his arm, and that prosthetic hand was about like this, and it, it would be able to do this. He could do that. Somehow, they, from the muscle sensation, he could, he could just close. And I reached up, and I shook his hand. But there was no pulse in that prosthetic hand, no pulse. It had no warmth. I could squeeze it hard, and he would never know. It had no feeling in that prosthetic, that prosthetic arm. He could close it. He told me the only thing he was happy for, he could still hold a beer can. That's what he told me. That's what he told me. I could, I could still hold his beer can. Wait, that's what he told me. Okay, 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 okay. But at night, at night, he would take the prosthetic arm off and lay it by the bed. And then he would sleep. He never slept with the prosthetic arm. And in the morning, he'd put it on. I want you to follow me. We are held together. There's no place in the New Testament where God endorses prosthetic theology or prosthetic spirituality. There's no place in the Bible where you can take your connection to church and take it off and set it on the shelf till next Sunday or two weeks from now. This is a place in my life, I set it aside, I'm going to go about my life, but then I'm going to put it on, I'm going to go to church, and I have this, I have this moment and this experience, but it's, I'm not integrated into it. There's no feeling, there's no connection. God's picture, God's intention for every one of us. Not only are we joined, he's using the analogy of a physical body. We're joined, but we're held together. In other words, there's somebody holding, encouraging you, and inspiring you when you can't make it. Whether it's a men's group, a ladies' group, life group, ministry group, we're going to go through things we cannot deal with on our own. When life rocks us, sometimes you will not be able to hold on. You need somebody holding on to you. Holding on to you and sustaining you in that moment. That's God's picture. 
we are encouraging you this month. Our, 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 our passion is not that you just join, but that you be held together because that's growth, that's healthy, and you increase in love. And I want to suggest right here we have the insight. They got disconnected from one another. It became unhealthy. Love was not increasing 30 years later. The New Testament says you've lost your first love, but it was already terminal. Less than a decade later, the church died. God meant us for one another to be apart. Throughout this month, our life group pastor, Pastor James, is going to be at the table in our main lobby, and we're encouraging to get connected in a life group. You need it. You need others in your life and in your heart. And there are some spiritual giants in this house. You need to be a life group leader. Somebody in the past, a youth pastor, a youth director, held on to you. Would you pay it forward and hold on to somebody else? Could you strengthen somebody else's walk of faith? Could you be there for them? You're too strong and mature in the Lord to not be that leader that is strengthening somebody else. I want you to hear the story of a young lady in our church, Bria Phillips. Hear what Bria Phillips has to say. I'm Bria Phillips, and I lead a young adult's life group. So I've kind of always been kind of interested in leading a life group. I just didn't know when or where to do it. I was really interested in doing a life group at UTSA because I know there's a bunch of people who go to UTSA and go to Westover, and I kind of wanted to like connect the people that do both of those things. One of the coolest things that has happened in my life group is uh, one of the friends that comes and attends our life group, he hadn't attended Westover before. He was watching it online, but he was new to San Antonio and he had never come to the church. He wanted to get connected before he started coming, so he found the life groups page on Westover Hills and he found my group and he emailed me and he started coming and um, he had a lot in common with the people in our group. So they started hanging out and really building a friendship and so because of that, he's comes to the church now and he has a group of friends and it's super cool. I think people are hesitant to join a life group because either they don't know anybody who's attending the life group and they don't want to feel awkward going by themselves or because they feel like they might not be at a good place spiritually or they're not as spiritually acknowledged as the people who may be at the life group. And once you join that life group, you're really able and it becomes really easy to make those friendships and it makes church a place you really, really want to be because you get to see those friends every Sunday, every Wednesday. Those people really help you to build up your walk and to really strengthen your relationship with God because they really help remind you in the tough times who God says He is and um, all the promises that are in His Word that are sometimes difficult to remember when you're going through the storms of life. You see, it's our desire that Bria's story be your story. That somebody's holding on to you, and then at times you're holding on to them and strengthening them in the faith because we grow together. We're committed to see that for you, and we are asking you allow us to help you connect and allow you to grow and your spiritual life develop because that pleases the Lord. Moreover, parents, 
That's why we just we speak this into you. Get your students involved in student ministry and your kids in kids ministry because your family, your kids need best friends in church. If you've got a six-year-old, your six-year-old needs to know not a bunch of adults at church. They need to know six-year-olds, seven-year-olds, and eight-year-olds. They need friends at church. And a 13-year-old needs 13- and 14-year-old friends at church because the world is trying to pull our kids away from God in church, and we've got to work hard to keep them, and we've got to contend for that. We want them held together. And when the, when the stormy time of adolescence comes, sometimes it's the relationships that see them through that. That's what we want for you. Again, our life group pastor will be in the lobby, and we encourage this in your heart. Would you stand together with me? And we're going to close in a word of prayer now. Father, thank you. Thank you for the ministry of the Holy Spirit in our communion time together and the worship. It, there was a spirit of renewal and refreshing in the house of the Lord today. And I just pray, God, your favor upon your people. We want to see God's people grow and be strengthened together in the Lord. We want to see them thrive in Jesus. And I thank you, God, and help Westover become better at that and more intentional at that. In Jesus' name, bless your people. Amen. God bless you. Go.